And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The Athletic Starcast, the German football pod brought to you by The Athletic. Today, it's a special Nationalmannschaft edition. As Germany win big against Iceland and not so big against Romania, we wonder whether Joachim Löw will end up smelling of roses on his farewell tour after all. And there's also time to talk about the debut of Uli Hoeneß as a football pundit, as well as the German FA's latest marketing own goal. All of this and not much more on Starcast with Christoph Biermann. Hello, dear listener. Hello, Christoph. Before we get going, here's a quick reminder that The Athletic is currently available for just £3.99 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash starcastpod to sign up. Hey, Christoph. I mean, usually we wouldn't talk about the German national team, let alone German national team playing against a mighty Romania and Iceland. It does feel important, though, because these are the uh, opening... Uh, games of the Joachim Löw farewell tour. Um, how has it been for you? Ah, uh, it, it. They all look refreshed and relieved, and uh, especially Klo- uh, 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 Löw looks like a happy man. That's at least my impression. When you think about how frustrated everybody was after Spain, after this historic, terrible 6-0 defeat. And you look at them now, it's it's like uh, the whole world has changed in the meantime, with uh, him saying that at the end of the Euro, he will be gone. And um, so it also makes the impression as if uh, the players want to give him a great farewell with a with a big uh, Euro. And uh, in the preparation of it, everybody is uh, not only playing to the rules, but everybody is trying their best. So yeah, there is overall a, a surprisingly positive uh, atmosphere. That comes over at last. I, I mean, I agree. It's that was very noticeable. I think there's a lot of goodwill now, all of a sudden, uh, especially towards Joachim Löw, who I think even his fiercest critics feel deserves happy end to his tenure, and there's no need to bay for the blood because he's already gone anyway. So why, why give him a hard time? Um, How has the team though responded? Do you think? I mean, I felt that first of all. Of course, the opposition was pretty mediocre, perhaps even worse in the case of Iceland. Um, but the fact that he had a settled starting eleven, the fact that he had stopped his weird experiments with man-marking in midfield and counter-attacking and playing three at the back or five and went to a pretty box-standard 4-3-3 helped the team find a bit of rhythm and a bit of a sense of identity and back to that dominant possession-based football that really lies at the heart of Germany's 
success over the last decade? So, so there were at least some uh, new elements. Uh, if you think uh, of uh, Antonio Rudiger's long ball behind the Romanian uh, defense uh, that uh, preceded the uh, the only goal in, in Bucharest, um, that was uh, pretty interesting. But you're, yes, you're right. Um, he was. Um, it's a. It's a. It's the end of the experiments. Uh, maybe there were too many experiments, maybe to an extent they were necessary, but uh, yes, now it's it's a more practical approach. That is my impression. So we're, we, we, we're heading towards the Euros, we have to qualify for the World Cup, and so, so we try to do what we can do best, and here we go. Let's talk about the positives first. I thought that the combination play, especially midfield, between Goretzka, Kimmich, and Gundogan looked really good. They combined very well. They complement each other well. You have Kimmich, who is the, the number six, and you have Goretzka, who is the number eight, and you have Gundogan, who is sort of a, between an eight and a ten, all really working well together. The front three looked pretty good as well, especially I thought um, uh, Leroy Sané had a, had a couple of really decent games, by and large. At the same time, does it bring into sharp relief once more that Germany has a big problem? And the problem is that there's no Philipp Lahm anymore. <laughs> but, but, but that's an unfair complaint, isn't it? So, so one day Poland will say, hey, guys, you don't have a Lewandowski anymore. Or yeah, Spain. it's true, but we just need one, one right back. You know, give England have five or six, just give us one of them. Okay. I, I mean, Emrechan playing on the left did okay. Yes. Uh, Marcel Halzenberg on the right did okay. Lukas Klostermann it was. Um, Lukas I, Klostermann but it's, a, it's right. a typical co- confusion because they merge all, almost in, in, in one person. Uh, so it's, it's, it's very, very difficult to di- distinguish the two. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I could point them out in an identity parade, you know, who's, <laughs> who's who. Um, no, you're right. Um, so... Those two guys in the fullback positions offering a lot of defensive solidity, good aerial height, you know, all the kind of stuff that you'd want in a tournament, but going forward, fairly limited. Is that is that a is that probably Germany's biggest issue at this point? Yeah, I'm I'm also not the happiest person if I see Matthias Ginter in, in as a as a central defender, I would I would add. And so, yeah, there are some uh, issues, especially uh, concerning defense. Maybe it, it's, it, it will be better with Halstenberg on the left. There is this option of Philipp Max, um, but, but it was telling that um, uh, Joachim Löw didn't even bring him uh, on as a substitute for... Um, for Emre Can and yeah, there is Mats Hummel in waiting for a uh, central uh, defense. Uh, Zule was out injured, so there are some options. But um, if you if you look at the um, on the strengths and weaknesses of this team, I think the weakness uh, is surely in the defensive, uh, a third of the um, and maybe 
still there is a, a center forward missing. The, the solution were, were interesting and it worked, uh, how they played against two teams that were almost parking the bus. Um, uh, Germany mostly didn't try to work with crosses because um, there was nobody there to, to take these crosses. So they, they very often uh, were looking their way through the middle and uh, successfully, uh, especially against Iceland. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but there is a, is a way to go to, to become a, a real competitor for bigger things at the Euro. And you're mentioning the lack of a, of a striker. I mean, it's interesting to see Timo Werner not start either of those games. Mm -hmm. Kai Havertz starting in the false ninth position instead. Now Joachim Löw was basically saying Havertz needs more space against these sort of teams, you, um, you'd maybe need somebody who's a bit more technical to play between the lines. I understand all these things. The question is, at the same time, if Harvard's, sorry, if Werner can't play against um, Iceland uh, or Romania, does that mean he's not going to start the, the Euros either against France and Portugal? Or will Leu think, oh, we can then play on the break, then we will play Timo Werner? I mean, it, it does, it did feel like a bit of a warning to him to to maybe improve or adapt his game if possible uh, i think both is true i think it's a bit of a warning um to to say hey hey um your your game isn't at the standard it can be right now but on the other hand side i think it on the other side it's it's um for um werner uh is matches against France, Portugal, Spain, whatever, um, uh, uh, suit him better because he, he needs a bit of, 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 of space to develop his pace, um, uh, counter-attacking football. I think it's, it's better for him uh, uh, instead of playing against opponents who were not only parking one bus, but uh, in... In, in both cases, Romania and Iceland, I, I, you had the impression they bought, uh, brought two or so. So it's um, you only have very had very narrow spaces, and I th I, I, I found they created a, a, a lot of opportunities, especially against Romania, uh, in this uh, uh, tiny spaces, but uh, in an almost frustrating way, uh, did not convert them. So if we'd sum up the first couple of games, we see that there's a bit of progress being made, that Germany have maybe found an end of these experiments and have found a bit of an identity again, at least in those type of games. They might still need that second plan, more reactive plan when it comes to the better teams. And it'd be interesting to see when, if at all, Löw wants to practice that because there isn't really any, any time uh, to do so, at least not at competitive level. So they'll have to go from Romania, Iceland, Northern Macedonia, basically straight to Portugal, France, and then Hungary, if the Hungary game still is relevant. Now, I'm, I'm sure it will be. <laughs> I hope so anyway. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Let's talk a little bit before we go about the wider issues. Um, it was quite interesting to see Oli Hoeneß, the former Bayern president, now Bayern honorary president, moonlighting as a TV pundit um, for German television. He didn't really have that much to say about the games, apart from being, generally speaking, fairly complimentary with the team's ambition and attitude and, and general application, but then did use his platform to have a pretty big go at the German FA. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be Uli Hoeneß if he didn't just have, if he didn't didn't come with some very practical ideas. <laughs> and one of them was to send Karl-Heinz Rummenigge on behalf of FC Bayern. Oh no, on behalf of the German FA, he corrected himself. <laughs> to represent at the UEFA and FIFA level. Uh, instead of a German FA representative, so he doesn't rate very highly. Why do you think Ole Hoeneß is getting involved now in this political sense? And what is happening with the German FA? Is it conceivable that these changes will happen, that there be sort of a massive overhaul, not just at sporting level, but also upstairs? I wouldn't expect this, but I, fo- I, I also found it interesting. Uh, maybe uh, so... It's it's sometimes difficult to read Uli Hoeneß as loud as he is, um, uh, w- what his real intentions are. Maybe he he would be happy to see Karl-Heinz Rummenigge off, not 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 hanging around at Bayern too much uh, when, when his job as a CEO of, at Bayern is finished. So send him away to FIFA and UEFA so he is not not in, in Munich too much. Maybe that's one one of the ideas. Maybe it's 
on a on a very emotional level, it's um, at that Hönes is frustrated with the situation um, at the German FA. So most of the um, of the uh, people from professional football support Fritz Keller, uh, the 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 president of the uh, federation, who is in a in a very complicated power struggle uh, with other forces uh, within the uh, FA, and um, and it's it's basically a, a, a conflict with a long tradition that um, maybe you can give it the headline: uh, professional versus amateurs, and um, and so uh, Fritz Keller is is seen as the guy who comes from the professional side of football. He has been the president of SC Freiburg uh, for, for many years. And um, yeah, so so maybe we shouldn't read too much into it. And uh, more these sketches I, I try to give uh, here. But at least it's, it, it, will be, um, it will be interesting to see what, what's going to happen at the FA in, in recent months, because that is a endurable situation for everybody. Um, I mean, this is going on for too long now. Uh, the conflict is especially uh, between Kurzius, Friedrich Kurzius, the general secretary of the German FA and Fritz Keller. That is, I mean, I mean um, that has to be uh, uh, solved and stopped and, and sooner, not later. And uh, maybe that also was something that Fritz Keller had in mind uh, to put some pressure on, um, uh, on on the FA to do their homework. Uli Hoeneß, you mean? Uh, Uli Hoeneß, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Okay, and finally, pressure is, is maybe the right word. Um, we saw the German uh, players demonstrating for human rights before the game against Iceland, and then in a slightly more obscure way with numbers that refer to the 30 human rights articles uh, for amnesty in the second game as well. This seemed like a, a, a genuine and quite moving action that came from within the team rather than the German FA. But then the German FA, in almost typical fashion, managed <laughs> to completely undermine all the genuine sentiment, if there was one, and I, I feel there was, by releasing this mm -hmm. making-off video that showed the players applying the letters sort of in slow motion, very kind of heroically, and then hashtagging it human rights. I mean, who who comes up with such an idea <laughs> and, and couldn't have thought it through a little bit more? Christoph, please tell me. If it wasn't Oliver Bierhoff, it's in the spirit of Oliver Bierhoff because um, he is he is big in in marketing and and thinking in brands and so everything uh, that has been happening around the German national team uh, had to do with some kind of uh, creating a brand identity and uh, you do this kind of stuff if you uh, if you if you want to yeah work on your brand. But it wasn't about a brand. It, it, it was a, about, as you said, a genuine sentiment uh, because the, and I think a very good sign, we, we all so often complain of, um, of, of players being uh, immature in, in many aspects. And then they come out with this um, because it's, it's working in them. They think about it, obviously discuss about it, uh, talk about it, what they can do. 
And, and, and then you put it in this uh, German national team, die Mannschaft, blah, 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 um, uh, branding context. And uh, yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with you. It's, it, was, it was deeply frustrating uh, uh, to see it. And, um, and uh, yeah, uh, what, what else can, I, can we see? And, and that's also deep at the, at the um, heart of many problems uh, a lot of German football supporters nowadays have with the, with the national team because it's over-branded and over-marketed and, and, and so on. Well, at least they play half-decent football these days, again. So again, that's yeah. something. <laughs> Thank you very much, Christopher, for coming up on this special Starcast bonus edition. We'll speak to you again on Monday after the big one. Leipzig against Bayern. Until then, take care. Bye bye. The Athletic.